following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Um, so last week we discussed taking LSD at the end of life, um, and we came out that uh, Rabbi Zilberstein was not happy with it, but Rabbi Yashiv, who is the greatest halachic authority um, of his times, was agreeable, and he said it was a good thing to take LSD. He never tried it, he never inhaled, but uh, he, he recommends it. Um, so that was last week. Um, he said even though there's risks involved, meaning the risks, the benefits outweigh the risk, which is meaning a uh, person getting addicted, whatever the, we're not going to go through the whole class, whatever that was, he said that uh, taking away someone's pain can, on the contrary, help them at the end of life, and therefore if that's going to help them, then it's a good thing and it should be done. Yeah. Okay. Now we're gonna. We're not gonna. It's not as exciting a uh, question. Except that they're uh, cloudy and this right. sorry, but sometimes being cloudy is good. They're not able to contemplate uh, where they're going. Right. So, so yes, that was the first rabbi's issue, but he he said it's okay. He was fine with being cloudy. Um, so this week we're gonna. So move we can all retire and smoke pot in Colorado. Yeah, he's talking about some no, terminally ill. life. Terminally ill. Yeah, well, I'm only got another 70 years to live. Yes, so that's yeah. the end. Yeah, life. life begins with conception. Yeah. <laughs> it started 119. Yeah, exactly. uh, 20 years left. Okay. <coughs> end of life. Rabbi, we got that clear. Yes. Like we need a terminally ill patient who's in major pain. Terminally ill. For, for the purposes of today, are we talking the yes. end of life? Not talking about yes. just for recreational purposes. That was last um, week. I, I We're not talking about color. I'm not sure. What? Say it again? You can ask my question for a change. Thank yes. you. If you ask for today, are we going to be talking about end of life only or not? Yes, we only. We, it's all we talk we about. We're talking about end of life. It's easy. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, today's question is because um, it came up a few weeks ago. I think you brought it up. Someone, someone brought it up about morphine uh, at the end of life, where there's an actual risk, as we know, you give morphine that it can a exacerbate the patient's condition, cause him to die uh, earlier and quicker. So that's the question today we're going to deal with. I think we discussed it like a year ago or so, but get into it a little from a different angle um, now that we know about LSD. So the question is how does that work with morphine um, and the inherent risks involved. So we mentioned last week that, um, that pain in halacha is considered an illness. So, for example, we said you could be, you could even violate Shabbat in order to negate extreme pain, um, if necessary. Meaning, if someone's in in, in emotional pain, for sure, right, we discussed like someone's having a nervous breakdown. There's no question you can violate Shabbat. They're having an emotional breakdown to to help them, because again, there's always a danger to their life in many of those cases of self harm or whatever the case may be. Um, so you're allowed. So pain is t in a certain sense tantamount in halacha to um, physical illness, okay? Um, we, there's other proofs we mentioned last week. We're not going to go through um, all of them. The point being is, but the question really is, how far do you take that? So we say, okay, you can violate Shabbat, but what about risking your life in order to negate pain, in order to get rid of pain? Which is really the question here by morphine, because what you're doing is you're saying the person is in major pain. We're going to give him morphine, and there's a good chance this morphine will kill him. Not maybe immediately, but could potentially kill kill the person, cause him to his breathing to go down, whatever the case. However, <coughs> morphine works. I don't know enough about it. Um, you guys, I'm assuming knows more. Maybe, assuming. Um, <laughs> uh, 
So, so meaning there's a good chance that the morphine will kill him. And so the question is, do we say, so normally, let's say in a regular case, as we'll talk about, when it comes to surgery, so if someone's dying and the surgery will save his life, well obviously there's a risk, many, many of the treatments, there's a risk in the treatment, we allow you to do to risk, a certain amount of risk, um, to, of short-term life, that means someone's terminally ill, they're going to die without this treatment. So we allow that treatment in order to save the long-term life. Okay, that's usually the way it works without getting into the details beyond the scope of today's discussion. But um, meaning again, so we sacrifice, or not sacrifice, we risk short-term life for the sake of saving long-term life. Oh, thank you. Right, that's what a lot of surgeries are. First in a bone marrow transplant. Right, so there's a good chance of, of graft versus host disease, many other problems when you do a bone marrow transplant. But the person is going to die within the year without the bone marrow transplant. So we risk his short-term life, that means his year of life, in order to potentially or maybe save, uh, have him live a, a long productive life, another 20 years. Okay, thank you, Charlie, for bringing that up. Anybody else need anything? Yes, I think you have any sushi now. Caviar. Um, <coughs> so, so that's so that's the greater discussion, which is not for today. We usually do that. We risk short-term life for long-term life, um, but the problem here is when you're applying it to pain, to pain management, like a case of end-of-life okay. case. So, taking care of the pain is not going to lengthen his life per se. Right? It's not going to save his life. You're just there's a condition. If this patient is in major pain. Right, the pain is not going to. So no, no, it's normally we allow risk of a person's life to to allow him to live longer. In this case, technically treating the pain is not going to lengthen his life. It's going to increase the quality of his life. So the question becomes: Can we risk a person's life to increase their quality of life? You you could. I, I agreed with that statement, but you could argue the opposite. Yes. Meaning that if someone has such intense pain that they're bedridden, and by giving them some pain medicine they're able to get out of bed, you actually might be avoiding other diseases, mm -hmm. and they may lengthen their life. Okay. Yeah. Valid point. Valid point. Maybe discuss. But you hear the question on the table. The question is, so can we risk someone's life in order to treat their pain, basically? So we're, we're really talking here, as you said, about end of life. And I view end-of-life is two different issues. The first issue in end-of-life is uh, when are they going to die in, in quality and the second no is are they do they have a terminal illness or are they in the process now of dying? Because if you're in the process is that a philosophical of dying... Question? Is that a legal question, a philosophical question? Well, I, I think it's a, a more philosophic question. If you're in the process of dying and you uh, short and you speed the process of dying uh, in return for less pain, is that the same as, for for instance, a euthanasia uh, a week or two before you would expect them to die? That, that's really. Yes, so you're on you're on point. Should have gone to Yeshiva. Still, it's never too late. You can still go to Yeshiva. He has enough degrees. My <laughs> God, I mean, how many more degrees? We can answer that. Yes, <laughs> that's what we're gonna do the next uh, hour. <laughs> <laughs>
Let her get okay, so so um, so before we start this response that's in front of us, yes, there's a there's two responses I'd like to read you prior to this one. I can find here. So one is actually this was written in the 1700s, the first one. Let me find it right here. So I'm going to read the English version. Um, so this is from written by someone named Rabbi Yaakov Emden. I believe he lived in Germany somewhere, somewhere in Europe, <laughs> uh, probably Germany, 1697 Minor. to 1776. Okay. Um, so, so the question he w uh, was posed to him was, um, can someone do surgery to take out kidney stones? In those days, surgery was not like today. No Insurance didn't pay. You what? Shall not cut for, for stone. You shall not cut for stone. Okay. Okay, so clearly in those days it was a very risky procedure, and kidney stones, at least according to what he's saying, I don't know, uh, thank God I don't know much about it, was only to alleviate pain. There's no danger to your life um, from kidney stones. Is that a true statement? Not a true statement. I don't know, I don't treat it now. Anyone? You can die from kidney stones. You're, you're in the doctor's Then Manny, can you die from kidney stones? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not from the pain. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, well, what happens? Number one, you're going to actually affect your kidneys. You get kidney failure, but you're going to have to have both stones. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, um, block the urethra. Yeah, well, you're going to get ki uh, kidney uh, damage anyhow. Right. On one right. side, you can get infections. Yeah. Yeah. So, so oh. anyway, in his times, in 1776. Not to mention suicide. When he died. Yeah. Huh? He's saying that it was. Suicide, he's understanding that it was only to alleviate pain yeah. and not to, uh, not to, uh, so he didn't not know. to save a person's life. Yes, the doctors didn't know. So Nobody knows. Doctor. Speaking of pain, is there a thermostat we could get a little cool air in here? Got to speak to the boss. I have no idea. Gotta speak no. to the boss. It's all computer okay. controlled, which means we have no control. You didn't pay your dues. I thought doctors have control. Because they didn't have anesthesia then, or any drugs to relieve the pain, so the surgery you know, probably... You know, your question raised a, another point, which is hard to have a situation where the only issue is pain versus... Uh, Relieving of pain and putting someone's life at risk. There's always some other complicating medical condition, usually. No, trauma but, maybe is the yeah, but, the, but alleviating the pain is not necessarily going to treat the complicated medical condition. That's the point. Agreed. So that's, that's, that's the case we were questioning. But in this case, okay, let's, let's, for argument's sake, assume that he, he is correct. But if you're in a situation where relieving pain is going to put the patient's life at risk, it almost always implies there's something else going on. By definition. Yes, there's no way. Yeah, of course. Including this again. guy's case in the 1700s. I don't, I don't think that's a good uh, <coughs> example because in this case, the surgery to relieve the pain I think is more dangerous, you know, to the guy's life than any complications from the kidney stone. That's what that's you're saying. That's the question, right. Yes. Okay, so let's see what he says. I'll just read it to you quickly. Days. Um, in those days, yes. He says, Avayesh, Shabokhim, There are those that, again, there's Rabbi Yaakov Emden, 17, he died in 1776. It's not on your paper, it's not on your paper, oh, sorry. You might mention it, but I just want to read it in the source. To save themselves from extreme uh, pain. To give themselves over to be cut. From a stone in the pocket, which I think refers to kidney stones, or in the organ. Kiss means the scrotum, I believe. Gid means the penis. 
and they cut the kidneys that are um, hurting him a lot. Like pain of death, God have mercy. And these people let the doctors do it without any protest. Sometimes the surgery works and they get healed. And it relieves the pain. These people, um, that's relevant to have to be careful. Um, any pain that does not have a danger associated with it. You're not doing properly even during the week. Meaning, forget about violating Shabbat. Um, low, he says, you're not doing properly by la- by risking your life to alleviate that pain. We did not allow a person to enter into a questionable loss of life. Um, risk of life. Um, even though many people were saved by this surgery. Many people do get their pain alleviated. It doesn't give you an allowance to put your life in danger. To put the patient's life. Well, he's referring to the patient. Yeah, Don't yeah, go for the surgeon. He's saying your life. Right? Yes. You're doing the surgeon. Yes. You're doing the patient. Yes. Yes. Right? There are many that died from the surgery. Therefore, the surgery is not permitted even during the week. Meaning, forget about violating Shabbat, even having the surgery during the week. So he's clearly seems to be implying that putting your life in danger just to alleviate pain is, is a problem. Okay, risking not, your life. He's not giving numbers or percentages, yeah. but he's just 17, saying... Uh, 1,700, yes. It could be no, there is no numbers. It's a qualitative answer, not quantitative. Yeah, well, it may have been based on quantitative issues, but we don't know. Right. It's, pre- um, it's prior to evidence-based medicine. Aren't we all still there? Yes. Um, we'll always be there. We'll always be <laughs> before evidence-based medicine. Yes. So... <laughs> Um, so that's that's Rabbi Yaakov Endin. So now don't jump to conclusions yet. <laughs> then we have uh, another response from Moshe Feinstein. I'll read it to you if I can find it here. Um, we've read this one before. This was written in 1972. Can, yes. Can you properly pray to God and do mitzvahs when you're in pain? That's a very excellent question. Um, most we discussed this here in the past. Most Pulse can say you're exempt from mitzvahs when you're in pain. In may, real pain. I mean, if that mitzvah is going to cause you pain. I'm not talking about emotional pain, like Ron. I'm talking about... Uh, when you're kidney stones, it's evil. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good question after today's <laughs> session. There are those who, who say you are obligated, depending on what level of pain it's at. So... So be another rationale for visiting the sick and doing a mission you know, If they really... Can't really pray because they're in pain. Okay, so um, Moshe Feinstein. Feinstein has a tshuva. The the topic is again. This actually he's not talking about specifically morphine. I don't think, but he says binyan. Uh, the the name of the tshuva. It's a very lengthy response, and we're only going to read one paragraph. It's like four pages long. He discusses um, written in 1972 about risking your short-term life in order to save to live. A long-term life, okay. So, meaning having some type of treatment which will risk short-term life. So he says here, he himself. He says was whoever the questionnaire was, and he doesn't. I mean, it says with the questionnaire, but it doesn't say what the question was. How he doesn't pose this question in writing here. 
says the role from a mumchim that the expert doctors Amru Shemishka v'mita v'loyelach. Um, if he stays in bed and doesn't go out, get out of bed um, at all, he's on bed rest. Yachal lichios ot kamishanim. He can live for for a number of more years. Belini tuach without any surgery. The surgery is going to help the Yechiaos and Hashanim who will be able to live those years below Tsar without any pain. So meaning whatever this case was, I don't know, I didn't read the whole response, and whatever the case was, this person, this patient was bedridden and he's going to live, actually, you know, the doctor says he has another, whatever, year, two years to live. If, if he stays in bed, but if, if they do a certain surgery on him, he'll be able to get out of bed and have a much better quality of life. It was just a quality of life issue, but it's not going to treat his underlying illness, and he's still going to die whenever they think he's going to die. So I mean, he's still going to live the same amount of time. Yeah, but it's a quality of life. Meaning, the question is to do surgery here for to increase the quality of life, but you're not saving his life. Okay. I think you have to consider That's the, the question. You know, similar you type question. Did they say that the length of life was not affected? Yeah, as I just said, he said, the same amount of years, below Tsar. Same. Without any pain, and he'll be able to get out of bed, go to work, have a productive life. Okay, that was his question. I think you have to assess the risk of the treatment, because if the risk is more likely to cause death, Right, so that's a different question. How, what the numbers, the statistics, we're not getting yeah. into that. That's a whole different question, which we discussed in the past. We had many sessions on that. How much risk can you take, even for physical illness? Here right. we're talking about the more, as he said, the more philosophical question of, right. can you risk your life at all, forgetting the numbers, can you, have, you risk your life at all um, just for quality of life purposes? That's the question. That's really the question on the table. It's a very different question, meaning over there there's a question of, you have to weigh the benefits versus the meaning when you're dealing with life versus life. Right. Again, it's short-term life versus long-term life. So that's a different question. And that you have to deal with numbers. And we discussed that many times, different opinions. You know, 30%, 40%, 50%, what risk you're allowed to take in order to lengthen your life, real life. Here, it's just a question of quality of life. So Moshe Feinstein answers, in this case, he says, <coughs> He says, it's obvious, in my humble opinion, Shasur la prohibited to do the surgery which will cause a danger to life because if the surgery doesn't work out the person's going to die only um, in, in a, for a doubt that if the surgery goes well that I'll live without pain he says I don't understand how you could even pose such a question it's so obvious to that's what Ramosh Feinstein says so again he said he's he says clearly, you cannot risk your life. Um, we do not allow you to risk your life for quality of life purposes. Okay. Yeah, but so I it think means if your wife wants to go skydiving, bungee, no, that's a different. Or on a cruise, if you might not have to. If the chance of risk is is one in a thousand. Um, okay, so again, that's a question of numbers. What? How do we define risk? We're not discussing that. How do you define risk? That's a different question. Yeah, but you got to discuss it in order to say you can. No, no, but I'm saying, life. but that, uh, first why, discussing why the general question. Why does he think this is, is pshita? Because I would think that if someone is out of pain and they have a better quality from the rabbinic perspective, you would be happy that they'd be able to take on the mitzvot. Right, so that's what Shelley was pointing out before. They'd be able to serve as right. a model to their family. <coughs> like there's all sorts of yes. rabbinic reasons. Or if you're in terrible pain, or you can't get right. out of bed. So, so again, we rabbis are not into quality of life. 
Okay, so the whole what? thing is suffering. What did he say? His rudeness, his rudeness protests too much. He's a little iffy with his answer. Rudeness? <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah. Because he says it's uh, obvious. Yeah, I'm saying it's totally He does protest. No message. Shakespeare? Yes. Exactly. Yeah, you got to be clear. So, so you're right. It's a very, very valid point. Clearly, th I mean, that's what you see so far is what we see is quality of life is not as important as life itself. And Allah. Um, that's it's that's a clear. theme. Sure. No, I'm saying it for him, it's clear. For Moshe Feinstein, it's, it's clear. clear. Right, right. Every so surgery has clear. got its risks. Hundred percent. So again, that, that's a, today. According for example, the kidney stone number. issue today wouldn't be a question. Obviously, if, if you're going to numbers, it's a, it's a, you can't do any surgery. No, no, that's what I'm saying. There's a number we get. We're not discussing numbers. No, come what, I'm on, say, come what I'm saying is, <laughs> listen. Many. We're not, again, we're not. That was Alan's question. We're not getting into the numbers. Of course, this is what's something called a negligible risk, right? Today, anesthesia used to be 15, 12, 25 years ago. Anesthesia was a point, you know, three, uh, three. I think three percent of people died on the operating table from anesthesia. Not, not fifteen years. Ago. Twenty-five years ago. Thirty. Not twenty-five. Uh, whatever it was, I don't know the numbers. Whatever the point is, right? Today it's 0.03 percent, right? People die from anesthesia, so that's a negligible no, risk. No, no. We're not discussing numbers here. This class is about the greater question: is does quality? Can you ever risk your life? Whatever the numbers are, whatever that threshold that we define risk at in halacha, which is questionable, mm. and it's not clear, but there's, there's of course different opinions. Whatever that threshold is, can you go over that threshold? Meaning, risk your life for the purpose of quality of life, not for the purpose of living longer? That's the question. I think conceptually what he's saying is quality of life doesn't count for very much. Because if that doesn't count for very much. It doesn't override life, the yeah, risk yeah. of life. Especially now if you, because conceptually, if you take the other point, which is quality of life is enables you to risk your life, then the next argument is, well, can I take my life because the quality of my life is so poor? And he's rejecting this argument that quality of life is on the same plane as life itself. That's what I hear. So now, so basically, the way, can a nice Jewish boy ever be an aesthetic surgeon? <laughs> that's a, that's <coughs> actually part of it. Really, we discussed that in the past. So that they, really, it's a similar question to cosmetic surgery, where you're doing surgery with their inherent risks in the surgery, depending on where which body part you're doing. But there are many risks in most body parts in order just to enhance your dating or your make your husband happy or your boss whoever or get a you know so that's that's a similar question it's a good point risk today is one in 100,000 healthy patients right. dying from surgery dying from anesthesia right. mm -hmm. yes. negligible that halakhically is negligible so really that's just the I'm sorry? It really changed with pulse oximetry. Oh, I'm sure, but that's the current thing. Yeah. Can you uh, risk somebody's life in order to enable them to do more mitzvahs in the same time period? That's a weird talk. That's no, you're not going to risk your life for any mitzvah. You can, can you, you risk somebody's life to do surgery on somebody? No, I'm saying you cannot risk your life for any mitzvah. Anyone, no one, that's prohibited. It's prohibited to risk your life Except for a mitzvah. That's the big three. Yeah. Saying so, you can't put yourself. If there's any mitzvah that puts your life at risk, you're not allowed to do that mitzvah. It's a mitzvah not to do the mitzvah. No, but if, 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 can, can I operate on somebody to improve his quality of life to enable him to do more mitzvah? I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think so. Meaning, if there's a risk involved, 
depending. It's obvious, Russ. What kind of question is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a risk involved, then, then you cannot. Meaning someone's arm was, can't put on twill and his arm was uh, amputated. You can't sew it back on just for the purpose of putting on twill. Well, he's in a lot of pain and he's... Oh, so that's something else. Oh, no, I'm saying... We're talking not, not about quality of life generally, but specifically performing mitzvahs. I, 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 does, it would sound, I, I would not allow it. Someone would ask me that question. It doesn't Say sound. This. Yeah, but, so now I want to explain, that, so it would seem from this, now getting back to our morphine question, um, that the same would apply there. You cannot, all the morphine is, again is doing is really alleviating the pain of this patient. It's not treating the underlying illness. Technically, it's just a quality of life issue. It would seem like from these two responses, from the Marktia, the Ryakov Emden, and from Moshe Feinstein, it would seem like it would be prohibited to, if the morphine is, is endangering the person's life, you can't give it to him. But I think there's a key it difference. Heartless. A lot of uh, halacha sounds heartless. That's no, it's job. rabbis. I'm not saying about halacha. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot mm. of rabbis are heartless. Um, follow through when it's their turn. Of course not. To, to <laughs> so once again, let's finish the. We didn't they, get the answer yet. In the middle of the same. Follow through. We didn't. Rabbis that are giving that. We, they do. Most rallies do follow through. Get rid of pain if it's just to get rid of pain when it's their turn to be in. God forbid. God forbid. Pain. Shouldn't wish Will it on anyone, even a rabbi. Not take pain relief. Yes, you shouldn't wish it on anyone, <laughs> even a rabbi. Can you answer that question? Do you know if... No, of course. Uh, I know uh, Rabbi Yashif, who ruled that uh, he, he can't risk his life. He ruled before. He can't have certain aortic valve surgery. I think, oh, wait, what was that? Aortic aneurysm. Aortic aneurysm. And he was uh, 93 when it happened. And he, they asked him when he came to, could we do the surgery on you? He said, no, I rule you can't. Even though other rabbis said you can. And he said you can't do it. He prohibited it from doing it on himself. And he actually lived for another 15 years. <laughs> Um, yeah. So. The issue is not can you treat pain at all. That's not the issue. The issue is can you yes. treat. Yes, of course. Not. The yes, the issue is not pain. Well, the issue is by treating the pain, the per you're going to kill the patient. It's a good chance you're going to kill the patient. Can you That's treat a big pain question. To the point of shortening their life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Give a little yes. bit more medicine. Oh, of course, and you can. A little bit off in blood pressure medicine, you can. Problems. Yes, so those are negligible risks. No, those are negligible risks. We already discussed. Numbers are real. Listen, those are negligible risks. Everything has a risk. But some risks are negligible. Listen, you're not listening. Some risks are negligible. And therefore, in numbers, it's not considered a risk. Okay? So that's the point. So of course, you can do a lot of things. What we're saying is, specifically in morphine, we're discussing, exactly, we're discussing morphine where the morphine will kill the patient. 90% of the time if you give enough more. That's the case. So specifically that case. We're not talking about taking a Tylenol when you have any. Okay? Which has risks in it. You can, you can right. give morphine with the negligible risk of death. Yeah. Right. Yes, of course. 100%. You can do whatever you can to treat the pain. Okay. question is where you know it's going to foreshorten yeah. the life of the patient. That's the case. Did you talking. guys ever do this? Because I did it. Yeah. I mean, I did it. No, no. We gave enough morphine to kill the woman. Yeah because she was in such pain. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I actually have a lot of experience with this. With mm -hmm. elevated morphine levels? Yes, like because just giving enough back in the day, the and Russ might remember oh, this, and oh, oh. others, 
before we had good drugs, one of the treatments for pulmonary edema, the standard treatment was morphine. morphine right, right. So uh, we were pushing morphine all the time. I, I did it to my own mother. When, uh, no, but I'm talking about giving morphine like enough that's more than IV fluid. I'm telling you, we used to put yeah. it when people weren't responding, just give them more morphine. Yeah. I mean, we had no way. We had no way of knowing. Right. <laughs> I've, treated, I've treated pain to the point where I I knew that it was shortening them by days. Oh, I mean, we knew this woman was sure. going to die. It was terrible. But like, what? what was right. So this is yeah. You know, so someone's screaming in case, yeah. pain. Like, yeah. what do you do? So now, that's so that's yes. Yeah. Yes, that's, yes, that's, that's exactly the problem. So now, what? Had, so I thought we had heart actually by taking her pain away. <coughs> Heart okay. and legal heart is not the same, as we know. Yeah. Legal and heart is not. So it's obvious, Russ. I wrote him a postcard. Said Pshita. So now, so the question is again. So again, seemingly from the Rubiakov end and, and from Moshe Feinstein, it would seem like it's problematic to give the morphine in that case. So, I want, so before we start the tshuva, uh, the responsum, which will allow it, um, according to most, in in most instances. Th I want to explain this, that there's an inherent difference between this case and the morphine, between Ramosha Feinstein's case and Yaakov Evans' case. In both those cases we're talking about surgery where the result of the surgery will be immediate death. If the surgery fails, if it's not, if it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, so there's a good chance of immediate death on, on the operating table. Okay, the morphine case, in most cases, unless you're literally killing them, you're giving them enough to commit suicide, that's something else. We're not talking about that case. Talking about you're giving them morphine, which like you said, it will could foreshorten or may foreshorten and probably will foreshorten their life. Take knock a few days off, they'll die earlier. Okay, so that that's that's different. You're not killing them with your surgery. meaning over there you're doing an action of surgery which immediate could cause immediate death on the operating table in both those cases. Both Ramosha Feinstein's case and in in the case. In the case of morphine that's not what's happening. You're treating them, and there's a chance that this treatment might cause to the shallow breathing, which could cause a lung infection, which then could foreshorten their life, or whatever the case. I don't know enough but about. But you write the order. Yes, but I'm saying there's, there's a difference. The I'm just pointing out there's a. I'm contrasting those two responses of Ramosha Weinstein and the other one, which prohibited to the case of morphine, meaning it's not a clear proof to our case. That's my point is because it, the circumstances are different. You're not. It's not immediate death. Okay. One is Which a potential know, execution, the other is potential death by a thousand cuts. Is one way okay, but there's a difference, as we'll see yeah. between that. So, uh, so now let's look at the response. Okay, so now let's see what the hey, rabbi good says. Morning. Give him a morphine to kill him. <laughs> right. No, you don't okay, so... <laughs> okay, so we are, this is a response from... Signed from Keep giving morphine until they quit breathing. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 this is a response from Yitzhak Zilberstein. Let me just find it in the book. I apologize, the, on the left side it's cut off. Just one word, which is better than I can make it up. Um, so so the, this is the question posed by a professor, Shimon Glick, who was the head of the, what's it called, the hospital? Like, Beersheba. And chronology. I know Shimon Glick. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. So, Rosh HaKativa Pnimit, he says, internal, this time he was internal medicine. When this was written in 1979. Okay. Beit Cholim So, he's the, the hospital in Beersheva. I don't know what the name of the hospital is. It doesn't say the name, just the main hospital. 
Okay, so he says it again. This was written in 1979. Um, to whoever the rabbi is writing it to, and we'll see who the rabbi actually was. I believe of Shlomo Zalman Orbach. Yeshnam Choli Sartan. So he spells out the case here. To run anyone who wants to follow along in the paper um, in Spanish. Yeshnam Choli Sartan. There's a patient who's ill with uh, cancer. That's end of it's the end stages of his life, or her life. It doesn't say. And they're suffering from extreme um, pain and suffering. As from a medical perspective, there is no um, way to treat them. It's accepted in the medical world. That these patients receive uh, shots in order to calm their their pains. As morphine and etc. Shame and similar drugs. Shame tachshirim which help immensely to quiet the pain, to calm down, to calm the pain. Or God cholim and to calm the patient. Ella, but big but in in quotation marks, which is some type of expression. Alia vikotzba. I'm not sure. Alia, I believe, means the tail, means like the fat part of the animal. But there's a there's a splinter in it. So it's some type of Yiddish expression, Hebrew expression, I'm not familiar with it. There's a tail with the splinter in the ointment. I guess, something like that. Kimat um, Batuach, it's almost sure, Shatrufa Talal, that these medicines, Mikatsrot at Chayacholim, foreshorten the life of the patient. Limrot Shainonitanet Limatara Zuchasasham, even though they're not necessarily being given for that purpose. Of course, you, your assumption is you're giving it to treat the pain, but right. he says it's almost. 100% that they're going to foreshorten the life. Second paragraph, Hasiba likitsura chayim morphine. So what's so what's the discussion here? It says the reason to shorten the life through the morphine. Cholam elu chalushimod. You know, he's explaining the medical aspect. Why, how it works. He says cholam elu chalushimod. We're talking about very weak patients. mosifot hatrufot. And now by increasing this this drugs, laachlish et omek utkifot hanishimad, which is decreases their breathing. Um, their, I don't know, their yeah. strength yeah. of their breathing. And that allows other causes for other problems with their breathing. Specifically, it says a, uh, uh, an infection, which means, I guess, infection of the lungs. Mm-hmm. What? Infection of the lungs, meaning the decreased breathing level causes an infection of the lungs. Does that make sense? Yeah. Litim krovot, and many times This infection is what causes their death. So basically, you're giving them a drug which will decrease their breathing level, which in turn will cause them lung, lung, some type of lung um, infection, um, which causes their death. Lidati, this is the doctor talking. Imnerach seker vinishave estotzota tipu bicholim shekiblu morphine. If you do a study and you on the effects of patients like this that take morphine, as in contrast with patients of the control group which is, did not take morphine, barely it's clear to me the outcome of the study people who don't accept morphine will have much 
lower rates of mortality, or well, they're all going to die, as we know, self chayim, but but meaning they're going to live much longer. If they don't get morphine. Yeah, the patients without the morphine, he says, in that study, will live longer. Maybe it'll just seem longer, because they don't have the morphine. <laughs> Okay, let me finish the, qu- finish the question then. Limrod Kala Murleel, based on everything we stated previously in my question, Lomatsati Rofe Hamanea Yada Milosis Morphine. I have never found a doctor who who holds back from giving morphine. Right. Lemanakal for the community, for the patients, Al Sivlo Shalacholim, for the pain of the patient. Lachain of Akesh Ladat, I'm asking to know, Ma'o Merit Halacha Bishelazu, what does the Halacha say about this question? Yes. Mm-hmm. Eddie. Well, didn't we study this with with the um, yes. uh, we studied rabbinic everything. students praying over the Rebbe and the, the right. housekeeper tosses the vase yes. from the... Yeah, so that's a big difference there. They're just praying. The difference between praying and giving and giving... Well, well, and that was the morphine fashion. of the era. Maybe. A good, very valid point. There are those that say that Stopping to pray is, is tantamount to pulling the plug in that situation, meaning they want to bring a proof in that story to pulling the plug. Right. So, no, so you're right. But we don't to extend life. No, but we spoke about it here, I don't know if you were here. We talked about yeah, that with the, the ventilator. That right. was like a yeah, ventilator. Exactly. Right. So, so meaning yeah. stopping to pray is, is the same as taking them off the ventilator. That's so, what it's pointing so out. How Maybe. And, and that goes back to the question of is this patient in the process of dying? So so you're foreshortening them like pulling the plug by giving them enough morphine to to ease their pain even if it foreshortens their life like pulling the plug is that applicable or is this really different i i I fail to see the difference now that's very different from somebody who has a painful cancer and is going to live for six months or a year and you give them enough morphine to kill them because of the pain. That that's euthanasia in my book, which is a whole other issue. But if if they're laying there in pain, dying, uh, isn't that more akin to to the ventilator question and the throwing the vase down? Then right. So again, so first of all, not the uh, risk of. I life. hear you loud and clear. First of all, not everyone's on your level of. Faith that, that police prayer is so powerful. <laughs> That's number one. Number two is um, number two is there's there's some there is a difference here. If anything, meaning the way in your analogy, again here it's less of an issue even because over there that's instant death. Pulling taking someone off a ventilator is you're killing them like you're saying. You know, it's a matter of well, uh, minutes. Sometimes they breathe for yeah, okay. another day. Right. Okay. But in most cases, it's it's you know it's two three minutes or whatever it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, so, but as opposed to here, we're saying is it, there's two things. One is here, you don't want to kill them. You're treating them in order to help their pain. It's a much lesser level. If anything, it's 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 not as complicated as that. Because here, your goal is to treat their pain. Your goal is to treat them, and pain, as we said, is an illness. In Allah. The only thing is the side effect of your treatment could foreshorten their life. So it's, it's in, if anything, it's a less of a question. And so it's a valid point. Yeah, a better comparison with his analogy, his analogy would be the hospital hired a vase dropper <coughs> who dropped the vase behind the doctor and who startled him, pushed the plunger in all the way. <laughs> that would be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially to have a vase and hits him on the head. We say how, they call it utilization review. <laughs> <laughs> 
the death panel. Oh, say, uh, this is a very interesting question because he's introducing the issue of evidence. He's saying there's evidence that if you take a large number of people like this guy and you give them morphine, you increase in mortality. Yes. I'm willing to bet the rabbi says, so what? That's not relevant to this particular patient because we don't really know what will happen to this particular patient. So much of what we're dealing with here is subjective. Pain is subjective. Evidence doesn't necessarily apply to one specific patient. So I, Yeah, but I, th I think it's a fact. I mean, again, I'm, I'm just a lay person here. It's a fact that morphine kills patients. But, uh, yeah, so more... So, I mean, I don't, that, I don't think that, that's, that's not Virtually every treatment doctors do has the potential no, to kill patients. No, I'm saying not a potential. Like yes, he's saying, most people, if you patient. give X amount of morphine, it's going to for sure... Here, I'll that. give you an absurd example. People who receive penicillin are more likely to have an uh, allergic reaction to penicillin than people who don't receive penicillin. It's an absurdity. But it's the same thing here. If you don't, if people who get pain medicine are more likely to die. Oh, no, I'm saying it's the morphine that's killing them. It's not. The I understand. Morphine. The penicillin that's killing them. But you, the whole concept of treating people for fear you might kill them, is interesting, but not particularly relevant. Even if you have this data, because you yourself drew the distinction between execution and death by a thousand yeah, okay. cuts. So this is not see. an execution. This is okay. different. This is. Guess well, the heart of medicine. The, the thing is, it can be execution. You have to distinguish between right. administering morphine for the purpose of shortening life or administering morphine for the purpose of relieving pain. Yeah. Right. With the incidental expectation that it will shorten right. life. Right. And not just yeah, incidental. From, from giving morphine yeah. to. I don't know that many people would have the intention to kill with morphine. Yeah. I think well, it's first that the idea is to relieve the pain, <laughs> knowing that the, that the amount yeah. of morphine you're giving yeah. may in fact kill them. Many of what they give it. But it's the original intent is the pain like control. Not going to write and then with the, the understanding that it's likely that they're going to die. Yossi, do the rabbis differentiate between lengthening life and possible. lengthening the process of death? Yes. Yes, that's a different question. Okay, now we're not talking about that's literally at the end stages of life. You're not allowed to do anything that's to the patient. Six weeks. Because that, even if you're trying to help them, could lengthen their life. Or lengthen their death, sorry, lengthen the process of death, which we don't allow. Meaning, if a patient's dying, literally the end stages, I mean, talking about throes of death, you know, mm -hmm. so then we, we are not supposed to touch the patient because right. then you might lengthen the process of death. But that's, that's not this case. Okay, so so you, everyone's correct there. Well, now we're gonna um, we're gonna show you. Just one I'm more thing: it'd be absurd if he says you can't do this because <laughs> think of all the situations with sick people in ICUs and everywhere. Where you could say the same thing about almost every treatment you do in a patient. Yes, is very but sick. the difference again there is we're saying in most of those cases you're saving, you're treating their physical illness. So that you're allowed to. We ready? That's a but separate class. Here we're just again. We're just talking about quality of life. That's the question. That's why this question is different than so all the last class. Quality of life is the issue, and you you can't no, you most couldn't treat them because it, it's extraordinarily common. You couldn't treat people because when they're very sick for right, fear what, that you might what, kill that's them. What, yeah. what, uh, but Shelley, you could also that's use you thresholds. For say he's, he's agreeing with you. Below a certain I don't threshold. agree, but he's. He's exactly. You accept it. But when you know you're going to prescribe 100 cc's an hour of morphine or 120 cc's an hour of morphine, they're going to die. Mm -hmm. They're going to die. But, but you're going to help them with their pain. Again, even then, it's subjective. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of morphine. Well, I'll give you an example. Well, my own mother, she's a pulmonary edema, she's a young doctor, and you don't know what to do. I said, let's give her some morphine. 
He said, I have no experience doing this. I have plenty of experience. I said, give her eight milligrams of morphine. He said, I've never given that much morphine. He said, I've done it. Don't worry. <laughs> My own mother. No, eight. He, to him, he thought I was killing her. But I'm talking about yeah, 800. Of, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm talking about a lot every hour. I, I hear you. That's so a that threshold. Is. There's some universally agreed upon that's number. Correct. This will kill them. How long they've been on morphine. <laughs> right. right. You say they build up a tolerance, an alcoholic but nonetheless. Eight, eight is like pissing in the ocean. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so so let's go move on to the answer. Chuva, where it says in the bottom, bold letters, Chuva. We have to hold the Chuva. Um, uh, the answer is, Sheila Zu, Nishlecha Lemaran Hagon, Rishlom Zalmanorbach. This question was sent to Rishlom Zalmanorbach, who was, uh, at that time, he died around 15 years ago, maybe more. Um, in Israel, he was one of the, again, the, at his time, he was the leading halachic decisor. Um, you know Shimon Glick is a bioethicist, by the way, as yes, well yeah, as an no, endocrinologist. No. You can bring him to speak. Vinatik reshit es chuvato. First, I'm going to quote, he, this rabbi saying, I'm going to quote his response, the professor Shimon Glick. But says, but I'll add my explanations in uh, parentheses. So he says like this, Hoel surim. We're in the last paragraph on the first page there. Since pain um, and suffering is extremely harmful to a person, and most people do not have a very high threshold of pain, as the rabbis explained in Mesechtas Ksubas, a fascinating Gemara, which I did not have time to look up. But basically what it says, there's a famous story we talk about in a lot of the liturgy, or Shoshani Yom Kippur, other places of Hananya Mishal Vazaria, that they were thrown by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Iraqi leader at the time. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, how do you pronounce it in English? Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, sounds, uh, sounds good. And uh, he took these three rabbis at the time and he threw, he, he asked them to bow down to a certain potential idol. They refused, he threw them into a burning furnace. Okay, and they, so they miraculously survived. Very famous story. So the Gemara says there, um, fascinating thing, that um, that if they would not have been thrown into the furnace, and he would have tortured them, they would not have been able to survive from the torture and the pain. Okay? So so Wait, meaning... If they say that again? Oh, let me read it. Okay. Make sure I'm saying it correctly. So he says, in parentheses, he says there, Ilu miyaser surim. If he would have tortured them in order to bow to the idol, not throw them into the burning furnace, in order that, that they should bow to the idol, they would not be able to stand in front of that pain, and they would have gave in. They would have bowed. That means what the Gemara is saying is that the pain of bowing to an idol is worse pain than being thrown into a furnace and burnt alive. They would have bowed. He says, first of all, it was a leniency because it wasn't real of Adazar, it was only a symbol, whatever the case was. So he goes on to say, he says, you see from this Talmud, Mistaver, it would be logical, You see what the level of pain um, that the Gemara is saying, it's worse than being thrown into a, into a, into a bring birth alive. So of course we have to treat a patient, that's number one. He says, we must do everything possible to treat a patient um, who has pain, to take away any, any little bit of his pain. So this is a very important statement. He says that pain can hurt the patient also, meaning physically, meaning not just, it's not the pain, the pain 
can exacerbate the illness because their emotional state of the patient who's in major case who's in major pain you know they give up on life whatever the case is and therefore he says that in itself can do more harm the pain itself can do more harm than than whatever medicine you're going to give him to treat the pain implying it could shorten your life yes yes that's what he's that's his point I mean, that's number one Yes. Just to under, uh, that that logic, <laughs> that the pain of bowing down to an aisle is no, far not the greater pain of torture. Down, no, the pain subsequent torture. But Ganetz yeah. wouldn't have thrown them into the. He would have tortured I them instead. No. It's the Gemara is testifying they would not have been able to withstand the torture, and they would have ended up bound. So somehow, in some rabbinic logic, they're suggesting that torture by Nebuchadnezzar would be worse than being thrown into an oven. Yes. M meaning and the and the problem with that, Ryan? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's saying torture. One is pain. One is a quick death, and one is pain and suffering. Extended torture, which, as we know, in Guantanamo Bay. I mean, it's an interesting argument that nothing, nothing has changed in Iraq. This <laughs> 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 is true. The names have changed. Yes, the names. The names. <laughs> You're referring to waterboarding. You're referring to the waterboarding. Okay, so he says he said like this. Ah, so he goes on to say on top of the page here, ah, so that's number one. So he's saying that sometimes the pain itself can be worse than the treatment. So you're worried about the treatment. The pain can also exacerbate the illness and therefore shorten his life. That's number one. It says, this is, a, this is again, Rabbi Shlomo Orbach speaking. It says, if the chola is, is recognizable, meaning I think he means he's, he's conscious, of course, if you're going to give him this morphine, he says you have to ask him first, meaning and explain him the risks involved and ask him if he still wants it. If the person's unconscious, obviously you can't ask him. But he's saying if the patient is conscious says if someone's on, you need to notify him about it, inform him. If without this he knows he knows his situation. Even if he doesn't understand his situation, how dire situation is it's permitted to give him the morphine um, we find in the Gemara Sanhedrin um, uh, okay I'm going to skip this part because the Gemara is too convoluted but basically saying there's another obligation of a Haftalurach Kamocha to treat someone who's in who, who's in pain um, and you just I'll skip down the three lines before the end of that paragraph. In this situation in front of us, every patient is going to be begging to get rid of his pain. Even though it harms him. So you can assume that he would want it, meaning if the patient's unconscious, he can't and he can't answer, you could make the assumption that he's going to want the morphine. Because any patient um, that's that's in such pain is going to be begging for this treatment. So, why do, you, so I need a consent at all then? No, because then it's, it's his cons meaning if, he's, if, he, if he has Assume. the ability to make the decision, of course, you leave it yeah. up to him. If he says, I'd rather live longer and not be treated for my pain, that's his prerogative. It's subjective. It's, yes, it's his prerogative. That, that he's just saying, if you don't know what the patient wants, then you can assume that he does want it. That's it. That he does but want what? That he wants the morphine, even though no. for sure his life. If you're in enough pain, regardless of what they say, do you want it or you don't you want don't it, you, you are going to say you want it because you can no longer think That's rationally. That's his point. Yeah. That's his point. It's like a if epidural. If your pain is high enough, you no longer are rational in their thinking. <laughs> it's like epidural, although, you know, these women say, I don't want the first 
you know, Bertha said, I don't want an epidural. Uh, until it happens in that Every chola wants to quiet his pain, wants to calm his pain. Even though it will harm him, as you're saying, I think you're 100% correct, they're going to want it. That means we can testify, that means uh, it's a classical Talmudic term, that means we don't need witnesses to testify, we don't need studies. We can testify, the assumption is, it's clear in that it's good for him, because even though he can't answer in this situation, whatever the case is, he can't respond to the question, but we can respond for him. We can testify that it's best for the patient to give him this medicine. Okay? So even though he's, he, he cannot respond. Um, and he goes on to say in the second paragraph, and this is where a very important caveat, it's, it's, he says it's, un, it's obviously understood that this is all in the situation that the intention of the physician, Hamazuk is a trufa that's giving him this medicine, he The purpose is only to calm the pain, to quiet the pain. Meaning a not for the purpose of foreshortening his life. Your purpose is to kill him. That, of course, is going to be a problem. We're not going to be happy with that. And this is that this might cause the end of his life. This is a very interesting thing here. There's a concept in halacha, mostly relevant to Shabbat. That means if my, if um, there's a concept called the, the Gemara talks about something called psik resha. That means for in order to violate Shabbat, you need to have intention. Also, it's not enough. You know, if if I woke up in the middle of the night and turned on the light. Okay, so, and I wasn't thinking, so that's not a real violation of Shabbat, technically. Well, that's, that might be shogig, I didn't realize it was Shabbat, but let's say, um, for example, I'm dragging my picnic table in the backyard, you know how to dig a hole in Shabbat, when you drag, after a rain, you're dragging your picnic table, it's going to dig a hole in the ground, it's going to make a furrow, right, so since my intention wasn't to do that, so I didn't violate Shabbat, even though I made a furrow, okay, that wasn't my intention. In other words, you have to have the act and the result um, the action and the result, and also the intention, in order to violate Shabbat. So the three things you need for violation of Shabbat. But what if you made use of that furrow? Oh, so that's us. We'll get there in a second. So the point okay. is like this. Point is that the point. The point is that that um, the the Gemara says. Let's say in, in again. Let's put it into context. Different times, but in those days they didn't have a Hasbro. They didn't have. Uh, toys for your kids. So people will give their kids uh, dead chickens to play with. Okay? Um, so the Gemara says, let's say I need my kids crying, I need to give them a toy. So I chopped that off a chicken to give them the chicken to play with on Shabbat. We do that, don't you? Okay? So uh, says the Gemara, so in that case, even though my intention wasn't to kill the chicken, my intention is because my, you know, I want to give my kid a toy. Okay? Um, says the Talmud, sick If you cut the head off and it and it's, it's going to die. It's a it's clear thing. There's no question about it. So in that case, you have that's like intentional. Meaning, I didn't have intention to kill it. I just wanted to do it for the sake of my kids. Stop crying, right? So that says the Talmud. That's considered like intention, because it's for surely it's 100% going to happen. So then, for example, the the classical case in contemporary it's times. Reckless endangerment. That's a different question. But when I, again, that's a this was done and this was standard. You can look at a Google. Chicken toys for your children, live chickens. Um, so, so the point is today, for example, you open, let's say, um, 
most fridges today have a light inside, right? So if you open on Shabbat, there's a problem. You're opening the light. Now, I don't. Well, I, my intention is not to open the light when I open the fridge. My intention is I want to get to that whipped cream, right? Um, that, that uh, whipped cream cake. Why that, that <laughs> right. So, so, but since it's 100 percent going to happen when I open the fridge, it's a problem. Okay, that's called a psikresha, a psikresha, the layamus. It's going to happen. So therefore, I'm in violation technically. If you open the fridge and the light goes out. That's why we put a magnet tape, whatever. Long story. You have to buy Shabbat fridges. G has a whole line of yeah. Shabbat mode fridges. Um, How do they work? Jews control the world. They, uh, no, they, they have a mode. You press it and the light yeah. separates the circuit. Yeah. Um, Kitchen AG, even Samsung does it now. Even the Japanese yeah. do it. No, there's an Australian. Uh, I'm sorry. There's another brand that's Australian. Well, you don't care. <laughs> that that. Yeah, no, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. um, so, the <laughs> the um, what am I getting at? I don't know. Not we sure. don't know. So then, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's also, the, but there's something called psikresh delonichale. That means so. Let's say take the light in the fridge. So now I, my intention is to get to the whipped cream, not to open the light, but. At the end of the day, the light is a good thing. It's the middle of the night, and you don't want your wife to hear you sneaking to the fridge, you're going to die. Right? So, you know, it's going to help you because the light, you want to keep the lights off, but you're going to see what's in the fridge. So that means the psikresha is it's not my intention, that result of the light going on, but it is helping me at the end. Okay, similar to what someone said. Let's say I use the first for my benefit. Now, but let's say it's low nichele. That means it's not for my benefit, or I don't even want it to have, meaning it's not helping me. Uh, what would be a case? Let's say the case of the, of the uh, table, schlepping the table in your backyard. I don't want holes in my garden, my lawn. So in that case, it's for sure going to happen after it rained. I'm going to make those furrows, but I don't want those furrows to happen. It's not just, and it, it's not benefiting me on the whole. In contrary, I do not want them. That's called low nichele. Okay, so, the qu so he's applying that here, that concept, is when I'm giving the morphine, even though technically it's a psychrasia. So what? My intention is not to kill him. Who cares? It's sure we're saying it's 100% cases when you give ex a, a large amounts of morphine, it's going to for shorten the patient's life. So it's a psychrasia in essence. Literally, in this case, you're cutting off his head. Right? It's going to happen. It's 100% going to happen. So he says, but it's low nichole. It's psychrasia. He calls it a psychrasia low nichole, meaning you don't, not only it's not your intention, you don't want the patient to die earlier, necessarily. I'm not sure it's true, but, stage but he's do. saying, right, so he's saying, so he classifies this as your intent, when you give the morphine, it has to be, sh you have to be sure that um, your, your intention is not to kill the patient, your intention is to help the patient's pain when you're giving it, but more so, he says, I, even though it's a psychration, it's surely going to happen, that's for shortening his life, but it's low nichole, that's, that's not what you, you're not benefiting from for shortening his life, okay, so that's what he points out, Kavanasi, of course, he's saying it's not exactly analogous. It's just uh, what hamlitza means, uh, just to make the analogy. Um, but it's not really the same. Words, the halacha principles don't go with the same, because that's really a Shabbat halacha. Um, so, so now let's just do a few more minutes. We'll have to continue next week. Kavanat go and so now this is now this Rabbi Zilberstein explaining the he's going to try to rationalize what the other rabbi said and why it's okay. So he says kavanat kavanat What does he add with this last thing of sequasha? Okay, so he gets into that whole thing. We'll, we don't have to do that. Um, he says it does say important thing. One second. 
No, because norm laws is a very important thing, and I think you mentioned this before, Russ. Meaning, when it comes to murder, intention doesn't make a difference. If I kill, normally, if I killed someone, of course, intention makes a difference, but it doesn't make it less murder. I still, yeah. as far as it's it's a lower level murder, as we know, there's manslaughter, there's um, I don't know all the levels of murder. Okay, so there's different levels of murder. So intention will just stay in the level, but it doesn't make it not murder. At the end of the day, you're killing someone, even if if I knew I was going to kill him with his act. So that's what he points out here. He says he says uh, he's trying to explain this last point. He says Hurak. He says the reason why psikresha, that principle, is not really relevant here practically, and it's only an analogous an analogy. He says because at the end of the day, murder, whether I benefit from the murder or not is irrelevant. I'm right. The saying is, I don't want him to die. Very nice, but you're killing him, right? You know, it's like the you know mafia. The mafia. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to die. I just wanted my money. Right? That's irrelevant. Why you killed the person? Why you whether you want them to die or not? Right, that's that's not relevant in murder. So why it's would you? It's a line in the movie, The Big Easy, where they bring a guy, a guy who just killed somebody. He said, "I don't understand. I've stabbed him plenty of times before. He never died before." <laughs> right, <laughs> the same sort of thing here. I've given right. morphine plenty of times. I never feel died he before. says, <laughs> and even if it's not against your wishes, <laughs> and I'm not. My, that's not my intention. It's still capital punishment. If I knew what I was doing, my action was an action of killing. So even if I didn't want him to die. But I knew my action to kill him. It's still capital. The dogma, Nahega Doris Adam, he says a driver. What? He would have done a better job and not get caught. So, so you're you're basically calling it, it murder. But we usually distinguish murder from killing as to whether it's justified or not. Murder we don't is have an unjustified any. killing. Because yes. killing in itself isn't necessarily a sin if it's in yes. war, if it's yes. in self-defense. So, so my point is, uh, is that killing justified by the circumstances surrounding it of the pain? So that's that's a good so question. So is it murder or is it a justified killing or manslaughter? Uh, you think about no, but we we obviously if it's any of those, it's going to be a problem. We have to get it totally out of the realm of murder. Otherwise, it's always, that's his point. But it, but it's saying when it murder but is murder, killing someone, there's no, of course there's such a thing as justified killing, but in this case, it can't be manslaughter, it can't be anything. Because all of those would be prohibited just to alleviate someone's pain. The question is, how do we get out of it? That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, but think about it. If you have the guy, the case guy, chopping wood and the axe handle flies off and kills somebody behind him. That's totally, on the, no. there's certain liability there too, but well, it's not when, you, when you start chopping wood, you had some intention to make some wood for some good benefit. The wood's going to die. The tree's going to die. And die. you had no intention of killing some guy behind you, but you did. Yeah. It's the same thing. You did not intend to kill this guy. You had some good purpose. No, in but, mind. but over there, your act. And then, you're right. It is. A, it is. <laughs> there is a certain analogous analogy to that. No, meaning, no, no, but no. over there, your act was chopping down a tree. You, you know, it's meaning there was no, there was nothing murder in it besides the fact that the screws were loose on the. On the no, not only please his neck. Meaning, there's nothing. I'm chopping down a tree, and there's no reason they should kill someone. Here, I know it's going to kill someone. Right? It's, it's a very big difference. You know, it's meaning even it's like a psychration. Even though your intention is not there, I know the result is going to be murder, or not murder, killing. Potential. Uh, someone's someone's foreshortening of someone's life. I know the result with this giving the morphine yeah, is going to foreshorten someone's life. So it's very different over there. I'm just going out to have. I thought in the past when we come to this court of uh, deadlock, the answer is in heaven. In other words, we don't really know 
how God views these particular cases because your intention wasn't to kill him, but in fact you did kill him. So that, but again, how do you mediate that? My point here is, and that's what I think Shlomo Zalman's point is, the in, normally you're right, I'm doing something totally different, I'm chopping down a tree, it happens to kill someone. There's no, there's not, there's no intention, there's nothing. Even there, the Torah still says some form of liability. City of Refuge. Won. But well, here, the case is you know it's going to foreshorten his life. You're, that's not your intention. Your purpose is to get his wallet. Or your purpose is to, 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 to alleviate his pain. That, that's well, what he's saying. That's not necessarily a heter. Just because if I know the result is going to foreshorten his life and it happens to be, that's not my intention. My intention is to alleviate his pain. That's not necessarily a heter. No, no, it's not that different because the risk is only more apparent in this case. It's more apparent that it's a riskier situation than chopping wood in the forest. But there's risk attached to both of them. Okay, I hear you. Let's stop here. We're going to continue next week. Wow. Have some coffee. just chop his head. That's sawing Thank you.